This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Fort Coquitlam and online at MetroMotors.com. Nation Network Radio coming to you live on a Saturday, Saturday, December 16th. Live with Karen Sermon as my co-host today, John Abbott's in Buffalo. You can follow Karen at Karen underscore Sermon on Twitter. My name is J.D. Burke. Can't believe I'm tripping on my own name. It must be the second hour. Getting near closing time here in the home stretch. You can follow me on Twitter at J. Dylan Burke. And in the second hour of the show, we're going to have Jeremy Davis joining us in the fifth segment to talk about the Canucks prospects that will be going to the World Junior Hockey Championship. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the Sedins. And you look at last night's victory over the San Jose Sharks. They win 4-3 in overtime. A lot of the focus shifted to Marcus Granlin because of his two goals in the first period and the pep talk that Travis Green gave him at the morning skate. But quietly doing their thing, Henrik Sedin has a three-point night. You know what? It's just like they're turning back the clock. It's like 2010 all over again. They're back on pace for about 50 points, both of them. And Travis Green had a lot to say about their game last night. Let's hear from the coach himself and get uh, get his thoughts on the Sedins as they've stepped up with injuries down the middle of the lineup. He's. Uh, I'll talk with the trainers later today. He's very close. If he's not cleared, I'm, he's close. He might play tomorrow. He might play the next game. But he's only had one practice, so we'll see. Yesterday didn't count? No. Yesterday was a morning skate. A legendary one, though. <laughs> Travis, a month ago, and you know what you were asked about, the Twins and their ice time and their production... Sutter goes down, there was a void there that had to be filled. Henrik has filled some of it in terms of the role and the ice time. Uh, Henrik leads the NHL in assists in the last three and a half weeks. Yeah, like, is it as simple as more ice time, more production, or are, are they playing better now than they did early in the season? No, I, I think something has to do, some of it has to do with more ice time, some of it has to do with our power play uh, clicking. Uh, I think they're feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, I, don't, I don't see a huge difference in their game. I, I, I see, uh, but I see our power play clicking, and I think their line's been playing better five on five than they probably were at the beginning of the year, and they're playing more. So it's a combination of a little bit of everything, and them stepping up. There were a few guys here today that said the mood in that room prior to the game last night was a little bit different than they knew they had to respond. Right. Was some of that you? Like, did you do anything different? Was there a pregame speech that was out of the norm? Or? We had a different morning than we normally do. We had a different meeting than we normally do. I, I, we did a lot more. Uh, I think we concentrated on our team a little more than we normally do yesterday. Uh, it's a typical game day skate. But... I mean, it was, we had good conversation with our group. Opened the room up a little bit. They had, our guys had some good feedback. And I think between the coaching staff and the players, we had a pretty good idea of what we, what we had to do and areas that we had, how we had to win, play to win. Uh, there's a good chance. We'll see. 
obviously aware that it was a difficult season for the city last year. They kind of approached this year's yeah. one to prove that they were still top players. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel for them over that first month when you know, the, they, you know how often they were asked about how little they were playing? Yeah. Um, they, the opportunity wasn't there really for them to fully show you know the investment they put in the off season. I uh, feel for them is, uh, I don't know if that's the right word. Uh, I think I really like the way they handled it and handled themselves. Uh, I wasn't surprised. Um, you know, and they're playing a few more minutes now than they were. Uh, you know, they had nights where they played 13, 14 minutes. They had nights where, you know, they had a night where they played 9 and 11. And, and I also talked to them after those games that, you know, those weren't enough minutes for them uh, to be productive in my mind. And, um, <clears throat> you know, Bo was in the lineup playing well. That line was playing well. Uh, Sutter was matching up. They were still getting their power play time. But it's, it, it is funny how a few extra minutes can help certain players. And, um, you know, it's great to see that they're, they're scoring and they're getting their points now. And we're going to need that. That was Canucks head coach Travis Green talking to the media about the Henrik Sedin and Daniel Sedin situation as it pertains to ice time and trying to get them back up to speed offensively. They were playing about 9-10 minutes at the beginning of the season. It was a big talking point for them. They're back up to about 16-17 last night. They respond with a three-point effort. They're back on pace for about 50 points. Looked really good on the power play. Played a significant role in the first Marcus Granlund goal. And then the second one, which happened just almost immediately as the power play expired. Might as well be a power play goal. And uh, I like the way that he talked about the way they handled it because you could tell that it was really eating at the Sedins at the beginning of the season that they weren't playing as much as they were and how they felt the pressure that they had to contribute on the one scoring chance or two scoring chances they'd get a game because of their decreased ice time and it's just it's a testament to their class and professionalism that they were able to continue to play as well as they were in that role even if the points weren't piling up they had a good two-way impact and it's good to see everything is starting to come together for them as injuries have called for it for the Canucks yeah is it sustainable in the long term, well, it's going to have to be for the next five weeks, I guess, now with uh, Bo Horvat and Sven Berchiot. Uh, you know what? They have talked about... What, what did they talk about all offseason? It was, we put so much work into this, this offseason. Henrik said, I'm finally coming in feeling the healthiest that I've felt the most in shape that I've felt after this offseason, and we wanted to prove people wrong. That last year was an anomaly. Last year is not the Sedins on their downward trend um, as they get up there in age. Now, but then you have to think, not even was it weighing on them that the fact that they weren't playing a lot and they weren't being given the opportunity to contribute um, as much as they probably thought they were going to coming into this season, but you also knew what were the questions they were going to ask, get asked after every game. Are you okay playing that many minutes of ice time? And they were. Remember, and then Henrik sat at that one point. He was opening the door in the third period at the end of the bench for players to get on and off the ice. When have you ever seen Henrik Sedin be put in that situation? Never. So we all thought, okay, you know, like, is this how their career is going to end? Like, they're going to go out being basically, based on time-wise, on the ice, fourth-line players for this organization that they put their heart and soul into, who've probably been two of the most important, if not the most important players for this franchise and now with these injuries they've had to step up 
and they have stepped up. That's the thing. It's That's not right. like they've just been, okay, you're the number one, guys, go out there and play like you were at the beginning of the season. We need you to contribute. I mean, what is it? Henrik Sedin, he's got 15 assists or something like that? No goals and 15 assists? Well, I'm looking at his even strength production right now, and Henrik Sedin's got about 10 assists. He's got two goals, and that's on the season. If you want to look at what he's done since uh, the Canucks have shaked up their power play against the LA Kings in November, I think Jeff Patterson pointed out that they're the first place unit in terms of effectiveness, and that's with the Sedin twins playing a significant role on what I call the super group, or the first unit, which has got Bo Horvat, the Sedin Brock Besser. It is a bit of a super group. If you think about <laughs> well, it. I think any lineup that has Brock Besser on it right now is uh, yeah, you can use super uh, that's right. to describe them. That's for sure. The flow. <laughs> the flow, yes. You know what's really cool is, is that you looked at when I would look at some of the underlying metrics that I, I like to lean on for some of my analysis, one of the things that would stick out to me at the beginning of the year was that Henrik and Daniel Sedin were being honest. like it, They really were having difficulty converting on the few opportunities that they would have a game. And that was something that they kept going back to. It's a lot of pressure, and it's going to be hard for them to look as like they're contributing the way they were in previous seasons. But when I look on Corsica.hockey right now, which is a fantastic resource for underlying data, a bit difficult to work with, but once you get the hang of it, it's a very useful site. But uh, you know what? Henrik Sedin is third on the Canucks right now in points per 60 minutes at even strength. That's impressive. Daniel Mm -hmm. Sedin is a little bit lower. He's down at 1.52. But, I mean, at the beginning of the year, they were barely in the top 10. So... You know what? Maybe when the Canucks get healthy at the end of this, what's going to be interesting for me is what do they do at that point? Because Mm -hmm. Travis Green almost kind of admitted that he made a mistake playing them as little as he did in the beginning of the season. He just said it's, you know what, he underestimated what an impact a couple minutes would make. What do you think the Canucks do when they've got Sutter and Bo Horvat back at their disposal? Well, that's the concern, too, with Sutter. And by the way, I mean, the concern with Sutter, I mean, Travis Green was asked yesterday when he's coming back and basically said, I have no idea when he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, so there's concern on that. Uh, what Travis Green did to start the year was he line matched. And he hard. line matched hard with the Sutter line, Dorset. Now he has, right now he has two of those players not on that line and then you're going to have one coming back eventually. But yes, the question is, does he continue to use Brandon Sutter in a line matching role or... Can you use him as a fourth-line center, but play him more in a fourth-line center role, not as a shutdown role, shall we say? You know what I mean? Like, not playing against the top unit of the other team consistently. Like, can he be more of a fourth-line guy and let the Sedins, and then when Bo Horvat comes back, the Sedins can maybe step back to, shall we say, 14, 15 minutes a game. That's where I would like to see them at. Yeah, 14 minutes, 13, 14 minutes a game is where I would like to see them at. Exactly. I don't ever want to see the Sedins outplayed by Alexander Burmistrov, even though it's become something of a meme that I am the Alexander Burmistrov card-carrying fan member. So, you know what? I, I... That's a whole other story. But the point is, I think the Sedins should be playing about that 14, 15 minutes a night. And I like the idea of taking some of those minutes away from Brandon Sutter because, I mean, when you look at the way teams deploy their forwards and how they use their ice time distribution, if you look at average quality of competition metrics, it looks like the Sutter line is actually facing easier competition than, say, the Bo Horvat line. And I think a lot of that has to do with the opposition trying to match up with the Canucks' best forward. But one of the things that stuck out to me was Tyler Dello, who writes at The Athletic for the NHL. He covers all 31 teams, and he does a fantastic job. Uh, He noticed that Travis Green plays 
the setter line against the opposition's first line. So whenever he has the opportunity to, he matches them against the opposition's best lines more than any other line is matched in the NHL. And when I think about that, and you think about the fact that the Canucks couldn't really win at home at the beginning of the year, what changes when they go on the road? Travis Green doesn't have the ability to match up as consistently as I'm sure he would like to. And perhaps it's sort of a a situation where the road is saving him from himself. Well, and I think you're exactly onto something right there because you you just have to point to the record. I mean, the record at home versus the record on the road. 9-7-1 away from Rogers Arena, 6-7-3 at home. So it's almost like he's overthinking it Yeah, at home. I would tend to think so. And when you look at the results that Brandon Sutter's been getting, when he's on the ice, the Canucks are only controlling about 43% of the shot attempts at even strength. And that's that's very concerning. I mean, what what especially sticks out to me is a lot of people have said, well, sure, the Canucks are getting outshot, but they're not really getting outscored. And that was true at the beginning of the season when every single shot was going in for the Brandon Sutter line. I think that's what happens when Derek Dorsett gets seven goals, right? There's a little bit of luck involved, and that's not to take anything away from Derek Dorsett, who had a really good run for the Canucks this season, and we wish him all the best in whatever follows in hockey. But one of the things with, with Brandon Sutter is that He's not controlling a positive goal differential anymore. In fact, the Canucks do a 9% better job of controlling goals at even strength when he's on the bench as opposed to when he's on the ice. And you know there's going to be a bit of a discrepancy when you're getting tough matchups, but it shouldn't be that large, especially because, like we brought up on the road, it's not about who Travis Green wants to match, it's who the opposition wants to match. So it's not like he's constantly playing against Connor McDavid. There's no real excuse for being outshot and outscored to that extent. Meanwhile, the Sedins are right at the top of the Canucks' possession charts. They're controlling about 57% of the shot attempts at even strength. So I think there's a balance worth striking there. Yeah, and I mean, maybe it's, uh, you could say, control the possession. It's that twin thing that they have going on, uh, that Sedinery that we saw on display last night in, That's right. in overtime. I mean, they, Daniel got robbed. He should have ended the game there. But uh, it's, it's, I will just say it's nice to see them back played at this high level. And Canucks fans have to be happy with that. The only concern is with this Canucks team going forward. I mean, yes, you got the Gagne goal in overtime. And the celebration. (laughs) (laughs) The Gagne celebration, like it was Team Canada, Sidney Crosby scoring the uh, gold medal game at at Rogers Arena. But uh, you got the Marcus Granlin contributing as well, which, I mean, Travis Green gave him his his special speech prior to. That's right. I told you this off air. I said, if I'm ever struggling at anything or poorly performing at anything, I want to go sit down with Travis Green because, you know, I'm going to turn around (laughs) pretty quickly. Um, So you're getting a little bit of yesterday. We saw a little bit of the secondary scoring, but at the same point too, five on five, where the only right now offensive really scoring output, it's only coming from one line. So that's that's the struggle for this Canucks team. Yes, the power play is great. Um, how many power play chances do you generally get a game? I mean, hopefully you're hopefully getting two or three, and if you can convert on even a third of that, you're you're golden. But mm-hmm. five on five, they haven't had that secondary scoring so far, and I don't know where it's going to come from, JD. That's that's the tough question for the Canucks, and I, I've, I was encouraged by Granlin breaking out a bit last night. Mm-hmm. A lot of his offensive totals, whether it's shot numbers or individual expected goals, which takes into account location, shot type, uh, quality, strength, yada yada, it takes into account all these factors to, to give you a composite score of how many goals you should have. Uh, Granlin's been actually improving steadily ever since he left that 
shut down line. I'm doing air quotes. It's the Brandon Sutter. Yeah, it's <laughs> the Brandon Sutter Brandon line. Sutter as a center. He started <laughs> Brandon. score. He started to score. Shocking. Yeah. yeah, that tends to happen a lot. I, <laughs> I looked at the beginning of the year and it's uh, it's actually quite staggering. I think there are only five centers in the NHL who produce primary assists at a lower rate than Sutter. So it's not surprising to me that somebody's offensive totals would start to elevate as soon as they leave that role. So hopefully Granlin gets going because I think yeah, he shot a high percentage last year. You can't shoot 16% consistently in the league unless you're Patrick Lining or Steven Stamkos. So you had to know Granlin was going to come to earth a bit. I didn't expect this. Hopefully well, there's a good middle ground. Especially, too, coming off a year where, I mean, he was 19 goals. And 19 goals, yeah. He did it on a bum wrist. And a shortened season. And a shortened season. So a healthy Marcus Granlin, there was the expectation that he was going to take the next step. And because he's playing for a contract, mm-hmm. you know, we thought that this was going to be the year where we saw Marcus Granlin be a top 6-4 consistently. And you know what? Put up the potential as 25 goals. Something in that range. We all thought that was going to happen. And then you saw him <laughs> moved off the Sedin line because, of course, you know, Travis Green went a different direction with that, but you also saw him put on that line as a checking line. And as soon as that happened, we were all like, where's the curious case of Marcus Granlin? Where is he gone? Well, the problem is he wasn't put in any situations to be out there and be a goal scorer and contribute no. offensively. So I hope I'm with you. I'm, I hope that he has turned a corner like when Louis Erickson scored that empty netter and then all of a sudden he started putting goals in the net. I hope that this is a turning point for Marcus Granlin because the Canucks need it. Yes, they desperately need secondary scoring. And I think, like, there are two players specifically who have to take this opportunity while Bo Horvat and Brandon Sutter are out. And I say opportunity because that is the opposite side of the coin. Obviously, it's unfortunate the Canucks are without two of their best, well, two of their most used and relied upon centers, I Mm -hmm. should say. But that's an opportunity for Sam Gagne. He's played a lot on the shutdown line, such as it is on the left wing. He's played a lot at the right wing. He's a natural center. Let's use this opportunity to see him get some chances and see what he can do playing at his natural position. Marcus Granlin's played a lot on right wing. He's played in a lot of shutdown, tough defensive matchups. Let's see if they can get his secondary scoring going. And if not those two, heck, why not Alexander Burmistrov too? He's got to take this opportunity and run with it because there was speculation this week uh, from Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts, great read every week, that he is on the market right now and the Canucks are trying to find a suitor to pick up Marcus, sorry, not Marcus, Alexander Burmistrov. Maybe Alexander Burmistrov needs to have a sit down with Travis Green because he needs a pep talk. He needs a pep talk. But at the same time, too, he also needs to know what his role is on this team because Elliot Friedman brought it up and it was comments that Burmistrov had said. Last week, I believe, he's like, I don't know what my role is. I'm not sure what my role is on this team. And he also was signed, I mean, pretty cheaply, one year, $900,000. He was coming off pretty disappointment seasons in Winnipeg. Uh, They didn't know what to do with him. Uh, They didn't have room for him in their lineup anymore. And he comes in here, and you're thinking, okay, well, maybe this is a guy that can score. Maybe put the puck in the net. And right now, he is being used in that penalty kill defensive center role and in the press box. So maybe Travis Green needs to pull him aside at practice like he did with Granlin or sit him down and just tell him what his role is because he is a confused hockey player right now and confused does not translate well onto the ice. We saw that with Jake Vertanen last year. It That's does not right. transva- translate well. Yeah, it's a, the Burmistrov one is interesting. I always go back to this. When he played with the Winnipeg Jets at the beginning of his career, he had really great defensive results. So he wouldn't score and that was kind of the meme about Burmistrov 
Kucherov is that he would control all the shot attempts in the world and finish the season with about 20 points. Then he went to the KHL. He had some really good offensive numbers. He came back and he couldn't do either. He couldn't get defensive results. He couldn't score. The only time he's looked competent since returning was in a month, like I think a two-month stretch last season with Newell Brown in Arizona where he used him on the power play. And that's why I was always kind of curious about that that match between him and the Canucks. But, I mean, it's not looking great, especially after the Nick Dowd acquisition. You wonder if they have much more patience for him. You know what, though? We're going to have to let that one go for now. We've got Jeremy Davis from Canucks Army. He's going to be joining us on the other side. And you know what? We want you guys to weigh in on the show. We're going to open up the phone boards as we get uh, further along along here in the second hour so you can reach us at 604-280-1040 toll free at 844-876-1040 text us at 104040 you are listening to TSN 1040 the voice of Vancouver Sports this is Nation Network Radio on the voice of Vancouver Sports TSN 1040 now here's John Abbott and JD Berg Nation Network Radio, coming to you live on a Saturday from TSN 1040 Studios. My name is J.D. Burke. You can follow me at J. Dylan Burke. I'll be one of your hosts today. Join, joining me is Karen Sermon. You can follow her on Twitter at Karen underscore Sermon. And joining us from Canucks Army is none other than resident Utica Comets expert and prospect guru, Jeremy Davis. Jeremy, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, I see you got an article up today while I was out running some errands. Uh, 2018 NHL draft, some early overrated and underrated players. Why don't you take our listeners through that article and give them a preview before they go ahead and read that on CanucksArmy.com. Sure, yeah, I can do that. Um, it's uh, getting a little bit closer to the time of year where people really start paying attention to the next draft uh, with World Juniors right around the corner, and I wanted to get some content out there uh, in relation to that. So earlier in the week, I published a, a consolidated ranking, which is where I go and pull the the draft list from kind of the, the biggest services and, and rankers out there and, and average them out and stuff like that. And then I'll do my own rankings in the coming week, and in the middle here I have uh, some overrated and underrated players from my perspective based on where they sit on the consolidated ranking so I don't want to give everything away but two, uh, the first two on the list there are a couple of fins so we have uh, Rasmus Kapari who has really jumped onto the scene he had a really strong Ivan Holenka tournament and put up seven points in, in four games and that I think has a lot to do with why he's been ranked so highly right now he's in some top 10s or in a lot of top 15s and he's overtaken another fin by the name of uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi Sorry, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who looked last year like he might be the top fin for 2018, and and Kapari's kind of taken him over. So I went through some of their statistics and and why, in my opinion, Kotkaniemi's been underrated and Kapari's been overrated, and and I've gone through some on a couple of CHL players as well. So a lot of different uh, options there, and hopefully in the uh, coming days I'll have a full, I think I'm doing a a 75 list of uh, eligible players so far. Nation Network Radio, a presentation of Canucks Army. We've got Jeremy Davis from CanucksArmy.com. I'm your host, J.D. Burke, with Karen Surman. Jeremy, can you maybe tell us a little bit about the Utica Comets? It's been about two weeks since we had you on. I think they won last night against the Binghamton Devils. Uh, Can you give us an update on the state of the farm? Sure, yeah. Um, They did win last night, and that's 
to see. Um, they won their final three games in November, and they've got just two wins so far in the first seven games of December. So they're 11-11-3-1 on the season. So that's a 500 points percentage. But they're sitting in a playoff spot thanks to the AHL's rather silly divisional rules where the top four teams by points percentage in each division make the playoffs. So they're 11th in their conference in points right now, but according to the AHL rules, they're technically in a playoff spot. It's kind of hard to see that lasting throughout the season, given the injuries and the call-ups and the uh, general inconsistency in their play. If you look at their lineup right now, it's almost unrecognizable, especially considering I, you know, I wrote that article before the season saying that it looked like they could be a powerhouse this year, and there's almost none of those players remaining. Uh, we're talking with uh, Jeremy Davis from Canucks Army. Jeremy, I want to talk a little bit about Reed Boucher. Um, right now, he's leading the Utica Comets in scoring. 13 goals, 12 assists in 24 games. He's also got 85 shots on goal so far this season. Next best is uh, Joseph Labate at 65. Um, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, up here in Vancouver about goal scores and secondary scoring with all these injuries. And some have been calling, well, maybe Reed Boucher should be called up, say, over someone like Michael Chaput. Uh Nick Dowd, although they're probably not sending him down, but the the thing with Reed Boucher has always been the AHL game hasn't really translated to the NHL. From what you're seeing out of him in Utica, can he help this Canucks team right now? I think that he could, and uh, the argument for his call-up would have been easier to make if the Canucks power play was still a train wreck, and it's not really. It's actually one of the best in the league now. So that doesn't mean they couldn't make use of him on a second unit. You can always get better even if you're already good. And they're still struggling to get goals at even strength as well. And he's good at that as well. He's not just, you know, doing well in comparison to the rest of his team, which is uh, kind of a garbage pot right now, to be honest. He's also 12th in the league in points. He's 5th in the league in goals, 7th in power play goals. And all but two of his points are primary points, which is pretty unusual and pretty impressive. He's second in the AHL in that category, and he's also second in the league in shots on goal per game. If this were truly a meritocracy, he'd probably be in the NHL lineup already. I think he certainly earned that. Uh, he's been an integral component of the Commons power play, which is 10th in the AHL, and he's killing penalties down there as well. I think that he could help the team. And Honestly, if he can't get into the lineup or even onto the roster when Sven Berchi and Bo Horvat and Brandon Sutter and Derek Dorsett are all out of the lineup, I'm not sure when he's going to come in. And the question would obviously be who comes out. I mean, Michael Chaput is an extra guy right now, and Canucks fans might like to think there'd be Nick Dowd just because there's no long-term connection there for anybody. But you just get a feeling that it's going to be for Tanner or Goldbolben who are probably going to come out of the lineup. So I'm not sure if Canucks fans would find that palatable. Well, uh, before we move on any further, I want you to tell me what you really think about the Utica Comets there. Uh, no reservations in telling us how you feel about their play so far this season. Now, one player who did get a call-up is Ashton Sautner, and he was an intriguing free agent signing by Jim Benning in his first year on the job out of the, o not the OHL, sorry, the WHL from the Edmonton Oil Kings. Can you tell us a little bit about his game and why he might have got a call-up call ahead of players like Yom Brisebois, Jalen Chatfield, and the like? Sure. With, with those two players, I think it has a lot to do with age and, and rookie status. So this is Sautner's third professional season after he was signed as a free agent. He's been good this year. He had a really strong rookie season in 2015-16. He earned himself a call-up at that point, although he never actually played, and it was really a, a, a messy injury situation. Uh, he regressed a little bit last year. He looked better this season, but we are still talking about a guy with a goal and three points in 21 games. He's on pace for fewer goals and points than he had in his rookie season. He is the only regular defenseman on the team, though, with a goals for percentage of about 50%, and the comments 
have a goals for percentage that is 11% higher when he's on the ice relative to when he's off the ice. So that's very, that's a good sign. Uh, he profiled as a steady two-way guy with a pretty low offensive upside coming out of junior, uh, kind of like a low-budget Chris Tanev. So he's more or less living up to that billing right now. I still think that this call-up is more circumstantial than anything. Evan McEnany, tragically, is out for the season. Weirkoch has already spent 29 days on the NHL roster, so if they call him up, he'll have to clear waivers again to go down. Subban is gone. Uh, Holm was out because of that high hit a few weeks ago. He's since returned, and he actually scored in his return, as a matter of fact. So Holm is still waiver exempt all year, and I would think that once he gets back up to speed, he might see a swap between Holm and, and Sautner. I don't actually know if uh, Sautner's going to get any games, and it might just be a moot point anyways. Big has got his spot in the lineup right now, and uh, Branson should be back pretty soon as well. Jeremy, a lot of uh, Canucks fans' eyes are going to be on this World Juniors. Of course, uh, Elias Patterson. you've got Ole Levy, hopefully Will Lockwood for the U.S., and only Jonah Gadjevich for Team Canada, as Cole Lind was uh, a lot, we'll say, a surprise cut. And, more, more importantly, the more surprise would be Michael DiPietro in goal. A lot of people going in said he was basically a shoo-in and could even... Um, challenge Carter Hart for that starting role come medal time. How surprised were you? Because I know when he spoke to the media after he was just despondent. I mean, he was devastated that he did not make this team. Yeah, I was really surprised with DiPietro. I said the same thing on this radio show maybe a month and a half ago that, that I thought uh, that he was not only a shoe to make the team, that he maybe could charge or uh, challenge Carter Hart for the starter spot once it uh, got past the preliminary round. So that was quite a shock. Uh, Colton Point has been very good in college hockey this season. He is a year older. He's four inches taller, so there's that. Canada also has the option. They had the option of keeping all three netminders, so that added to the surprise. But with the tournament being in Buffalo this year, they are still able to call up Di Pietro if an injury occurs to one of the other two goalies. So it's not impossible that he gets back on the team, but it was certainly surprising he was left off. Another surprising uh, absentee from the Team Canada roster going into Buffalo is going to be Cole Lind. What do you have to think about his omission from the roster, especially given players like Maxime Comtois and even Jonah Gadjevich, who was taken uh, about 20 picks after him in the second round of last year's draft, getting the call ahead of a player like Cole Lind. Obviously, the two players I just referenced play on the left side, but uh, I'm speaking more to the idea that they need role players ahead of scorers. What do you think of that selection? It does appear that Team Canada is definitely looking to fit players into certain roles, and they are concerned about the sides the players play on. So it was a little bit surprising. Um, not as surprising right now because he is coming off mono, and he probably still is not at 100% yet, even though he's producing in the WHL. you got to feel for the kid. He's getting a little bit emotional as he discussed the cut, uh, but he seemed to channel that into his play. He went back to, to the WHL last night and scored a hat-trick in his first game back just to kind of show Canada what they're missing. Uh, but Given, you know, uh, he played on a, a line with um, Cody Glass at the Summer Showcase. It, it seemed to have some chemistry there, and you'd think they would go for more firepower over rolling four lines, but I'm not entirely surprised by that, to be honest. Speaking with Jeremy Davis from Canucks Army, this is Nation Network Radio with J.D. Burke and Karen Sermon. Uh, Jeremy, one last question for you here. When you look at the Canucks, they finally have a, a good amount of prospects at the World Juniors, which is certainly refreshing for Canucks fans who have been kind of left wanting at the most recent years of the tournament. Who are you going to be keeping an eye on closely as you watch this tournament? Is it going to be you, a Levy, or perhaps Lockwood if he makes the team, or even Jonah Gadjevich for Team Canada? 
I think it's going to be the one that you left off there. I'm going to be glued to Team Sweden for this entire tournament to watch Elias Patterson. I cannot get enough of watching this kid. But I'll try to keep an eye on uh, all three or four nations that are housing Canucks prospects at this point or hoping that Will Lockwood will make the team. But it's really, for me, it's Canucks prospects that make this thing interesting, but also 2018 draft picks as well. And a lot of teams have it. At least uh, one potential draft pick from Russia's got Andrei Svechnikov. And Sweden will also have Rasmus Dahlin. And Finland's got uh, Rasmus Kapari, who I mentioned earlier. So there's uh, lots of interesting things to keep an eye out for. Yeah, of course I left out Elias Pedersen. I mean, what's he doing? He's only setting a generational record in the SHL at 18. So I feel like you're prodding me. <laughs> no, I'm poking fun of myself, of course. I miss the most yeah. obvious of all the Canucks prospects. It's been one of those days, Jeremy. Well, as always, I really appreciate you joining the show, and I look forward to having you on again next week. That's Jeremy Davis from CanucksArmy.com. You can go to CanucksArmy.com and read his article titled... 2018 NHL Draft. Some early overrated and underrated players. It's a great read, I assure you. And he's going to have a lot of coverage of the Canucks prospects coming in and out of the World Junior Hockey Championships. In the final segment, we're going to be taking some listener calls. You can call us at 604-280-1040. Toll free at 844-876-1040. And you can text us at 1040.40, email us live at tsn1040.ca. And uh, we look forward to taking your calls and maybe discussing a Canucks Army event on the horizon. You're listening to TSN 1040, your voice for Vancouver sports. Nation Network Radio coming to you live on a Saturday, Saturday, December 16th from TSN 1040 Studios. Canucks winners of a 4-3 overtime victory over the San Jose Sharks last night. Tomorrow they're going into Calgary. I think that game is at 5 o'clock. Obviously, TSN will have you covered with pre-game and, and post-game commentary, as always. I'd expect Dave Tomlinson, maybe some Blake Price in there. Yep, and 45 minutes commercial free after the back end. So That's you right. get Travis Green's presser right away as soon as he gets to the podium. The dulcet tones of Jeff Patterson. From He's in the all bowels, the audio. The bowels right. of Rogers Arena, yes. That's right. And <laughs> and you know what? John Abbott's not here right now, but he was a big advocate for the karma part of the show where we poke a little fun at each other. We talk about charity initiatives, things we got wrong things we got right and we've got another one for you today because Canucks Army are nothing if a bunch of bleeding hearts <laughs> uh, I don't know where they get that from probably not their managing editor I'll tell you that right now but we are hosting a party next week it's going to be a Christmas party slash fundraiser we're going to be hosting it with our friends at the Pint and the reason it's a fundraiser is because one of our writers Jackson McDonald and he was actually on the show last week as a guest uh, his house was hit with a fire it wasn't hit with a fire. It was burned down in a fire, and it's caused him some significant financial hardship uh, to him and his partner. So what we're trying to do at Canucks Army is leverage some of our, our online presence and the fact that we want to hang out with you, the readers, the listeners, whether it's to the show right now or reading us in print. We want you to hang out with us and help us raise some funds for a good guy and try and get him coming out of the situation as good as he was coming into it. So we're going to host a fundraiser. Tickets are $15. 100% of the proceeds go to Jackson McDonald and his partner. And I'm really looking forward to the event. Again, that is at the Pint Vancouver. That's going to be December 20th at 7.30 p.m. And tickets are $15. I look forward to seeing all of you down there. It's going to be a really good time. And, and it's uh, that's uh, the, tw- the Wednesday, so it's Wing Wednesday, too, for the Pint. So. <laughs> and I love 
their wing specials. I mean, I used to get the Kentucky bourbon. Oh, every those ones are good. Time. That's a good yeah. rub. Yeah, that's a good one. I do with the uh, Bermuda Burner. It's got oh, like a geez. hot sauce one. So that you like to live dangerously. It's not as hot as it sounds because there is something <laughs> called, I think, like Hellfire or something like that. So. That sounds very welcoming. It's an inviting <laughs> yeah. flavor if I've ever heard of one. Exactly. But you know what? We can, we can probably try them all out on Wednesday if we get a big enough crowd yeah. and just go through the entire list. Uh, it's going to be a really good time. I'm looking forward to it. We always, contrary to our reputation as stats nerds, we know how to party. We can send a couple beers back. It's going to be a really good time. So uh, we're looking forward to that. And speaking of listener and reader engagement, we want to hear from you right now on the show. Give us a call at 604-280-1040, toll free at 844-876-1040. We want to hear what you think about the Canucks Blue Line. Who should sit? Who should come back in? What do you think about the Sedins adjusting to a new role? For now, though, we're going to go to Karen Sermon. She's got an update on the TSN 1040 poll question. Yeah, you're saying you guys like to poke fun at what you got wrong, what you got right. Well... My vote got right. I got uh, Ben Hutton is leading the way with who should come out of the lineup when Gabranson comes back because we know it's going to be pretty soon just getting the medical clearance. Could be as early as tomorrow. And we've been talking uh, earlier in the show that he's not sitting in the press box, folks. He's going to be on the ice when he is healthy. So mm-hmm. 45% say Ben Hutton, 42% say Alex Biega, 10% say Stetcher, and 3% say Pouliot. I think a lot of Canucks fans, I know you do as well, have a soft spot for Troy Stetcher. Likes what he yep. does, even if Travis Green right now maybe does not have that soft spot for Troy Stetcher. You've also got uh, Pouliot, who brings an actual offensive side of things, yeah. which is very much needed in this lineup. And as you can imagine, a lot of write-in votes. And sorry, folks, it's not going to happen. A lot of write-in votes for Erica Branson. Yeah, I, I kind of expected that, to be honest. Like I was, I was saying to you off the air, a lot of beat writers have been getting into who should sit, who should play, how much should they play. And the write-in answer is always that number 44 should sit. Uh, which doesn't really say a lot of good things about the season he's having for the Canucks. supposed to be a show-me season, and it sounds like the Canucks fans have seen enough from Big 44. Oh, this has the potential to turn ugly. Or can the Canucks save face, get some assets, and turn this into a positive for them, just one that they had to wait two years on to recoup value from. Meanwhile, Jared McCann is ripping it up for the Florida Panthers. But that's another story for another day. We shan't be going down that road. Like I said, get Dale Talon on the phone. Jim Benning, call him weekly because we know Erica Branson is uh, well-loved down in that organization and see what you can get. Do you think they can get McCann back? Hmm. (laughs) I I, I think that might be... uh, no, I no, no, a non-starter. No, no, no. Yeah, well, you know what? It's been a really fun show, Karen. I really appreciated you coming onto the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was, it was, it was a pleasure, and thank you, Chantel, for being our producer. She kept this this uh, this boat floating, kept us going all the way to the end. Um, it's been a really great show. I've enjoyed doing it. Thanks for listening, as always, to Nation Network Radio, a presentation of Canucks Army. We're going to be back next week at 3 to 5, and we'll probably be talking a little bit more about the Canucks Blue Line. Hopefully, they don't lose anybody else to injury, but you can never tell with this team. It always seems to hit them at this time of the year. But that's another story for another day. You're listening to TSN 1040, your voice for Vancouver sports. This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Fort Coquitlam and online at MetroMotors.com.